We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions, or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to our conversations here with Dan. I'm going to move this over just a hair. Here we go. All right. So we have had lots of questions and everything come in over the last couple of weeks. Appreciate everyone who's been liking and sharing and commenting on the videos. So we've addressed some of the stuff kind of back and forth with people, but we've got some that are big enough that we're going to try to address them over the next couple of videos. There was more than we could just fit into one. So, Dan, you've kind of parceled them out a little bit for us, and today we're going to address two of them that are more about the leaving a congregation and or finding a new congregation and the Led by the Spirit video. It's kind of yeah, a combination Yeah, kind of a combination there. thing. Yeah. All right. So, I'll just start by reading how this one came in. Okay. And then you can start us where you want to start us on it. Uh, the... Question commenter wrote in and said, I agree where you said God doesn't have step-by-step -step individual plans for your life. So to pray or ask for that might not be biblical, but is it bad to ask for specific guidance? What if you want his guidance? Should we be praying for that or not? Do we trust that he just leads as he does? Should we be praying, asking for those sort of things? For example, I didn't have a church to go to for a while, and I was praying that he would lead me to one, but it turned out I was led, or turned out, let me rephrase that, but when I was led to one, it turned out to be bad and unbiblical. Like, what should we pray for then? That's a great question, and I understand where this person is coming from. Um, when we say we ask for God's guidance to uh, find a congregation, I think we need to kind of clarify what we mean. Certainly the Holy Spirit, through God's revelation, leads us to make certain kinds of choices, not mm. that he leads us to a specific choice. Mm, but, okay. for example, in uh, Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, uh, the Holy Spirit, through his revelation, leads us to put the needs of others before ourselves. So... Uh, look not just to our own interest, but to the interest of others mm -hmm. and have the attitude of Christ. So yeah. if, if we're looking at that to be guided, then we need to say to ourselves when we're looking for a congregation, am I just selfishly looking for something that pleases me or am I trying to seek the interests of my brothers and sisters or even my family that needs a certain thing mm. what's what's my motivation here and so you know we need to check that um some people you know may ask for the leading of god or the guidance of god and they may simply be talking about in their own mind something that fits their desires i like the singing mm. better or mm -hmm. i like whatever better yeah uh, i i think that one of the one of the things that we need to be careful about is using biblical language 
to say the same as secular people say when they say follow your heart. Because oh, okay. if we follow our heart, that may be exactly the wrong thing to do. Hmm. Uh, for example, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Let's look that one up and read Ooh. that one. Okay. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Okay. 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? All right, so if you're going to follow your heart, you have to realize that you're often going to be deceived by your own heart, mm. see? And a another passage that I think really helps us here is Jeremiah, excuse me, Isaiah 55, okay. verses 8 and 9. It talks about our thoughts or our hearts or our thinking are not like God's at all. Read that one for us. Yeah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if we're if we're praying for guidance and we're we're following our feelings basically, or we're following what our heart wants, it may not actually be what God wants because mm. our hearts are often deceitful. See? So, so the initial premise of whether she should be asking, or I forget if it's he or she, should be asking for specific guidance is that initially it's like, well, yeah, I always ask for God's guidance. We ask guidance. for guidance, but the word specific, what do you mean by specific? If you mm. mean as you read certain passages of Scripture and they give you specific things that you should be looking for, Mm. That is specific guidance. Yeah. But specific guidance as to I should go through this door instead of that door, it doesn't really necessarily work that way. So uh, maybe instead of, dear God, should I go to church A or church B? Which I think is often where yeah, people are coming from. It should be more, God, lead me to a church that is scripturally grounded or lead, me to... or lead me to a place where I can truly be of service in your kingdom mm, or mm -hmm. Lord lead me to a place where I can use my gifts to glorify you or Lord help me to find a ministry that will please you as you know a, the, the guidance of the spirit in Ephesians 4 16 says that every person should be a loving working part of a body of Christ. Mm. So Lord, lead me to a place where uh, I will be able to get to work and yeah. be a help to the body of Christ, you know, that, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Mm. So I think I may be wrong and I'm certainly not judging anyway. Of course not this person because I see the sincerity yeah. in this person's question. But I believe that culturally, even in religious culturally, sometimes when we say we are being led by the Spirit, what we're really saying, if we're honest with ourselves, is we're being led by our own feelings mm. and our heart, and we need to check that to make yeah. sure that's in harmony with what the Spirit of God is really telling us mm. in His revelation. Yeah, I, I think I've... I've heard this, this might have been from Timothy Keller in, in a previous thing I've listened to him about, but he was talking about when you reach out to God, when you're talking to God, if it ends up sounding like a bargain, whether you say, I'll do this if, one way or the other, he said, if there's an said or unsaid if, then you're not really worshiping God, you're worshiping what's on the other side of the if. 
Right. Uh, for and example, so in James 4, uh, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you mm -hmm. may consume it on your own lust. Yeah. You know, so... So, so maybe in this case, you know, again, not talking about the person specifically, but if you're asking for God's guidance and you're saying, God, lead me to a church that, and on the other side, it's very personal and selfish on some level. Yeah, and maybe we've already got our mind made up about what we want, mm. but God may really have work for us to do in a place that is not exactly what we want. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, to ask for guidance is to is to ask for the wisdom of God, and the wisdom of God involves Scripture. For example, another example I think will help us here. In James 1, 3 through 5, mm -hmm. um, in the backdrop of the book of James, there was this terrible conflict between right. rich and poor, workers and owners and all that stuff. And people were saying, okay, we're asking for wisdom, Mm -hmm. but they didn't really want God's wisdom. <laughs> they wanted to do what they wanted to do and justify it, Yeah. see? And I think oftentimes in our politics, we get involved in the same sort mm. of thing. Uh, so um, the point there was, James goes on to say that God's wisdom is clearly there for you, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And if you're really in the midst of this conflict and you're not doing that with your mouth and with mm -hmm. your deeds, then you can say all day long you're asking for God's wisdom, but it's right there in front of you and you're not taking it. Yeah. So you're a double-minded person, mm -hmm. unstable yeah. in your ways. But again, in the book of James, the wisdom of God comes from his revelation in Scripture. Mm. And if you're asking for it, then what you're asking is to, to reflect on that and to for god to help you see what that wisdom is in its in its character and its in its realm range of mm. choices what god really wants you to be doing yeah and then you plug all that into okay can i do these things god is asking me to do in this situation yeah or in this situation and it may be a yes to both yeah and that's where we ask for the spirit's guidance because you're not always going to find book chapter verse go towards a or b but there's going to be enough there that if you're really listening and letting that work within you, it's going to help you move towards those right choices, maybe not a specific path. Right, right. It, it, it's going to be something that I know that within the will of God, as he's shown it to me, mm. I can I can do God's will here, Yeah. And I, or I can do God's will here. And it may be both of them, and you just make a choice, and it's not that one is right or one is wrong. Mm. And so like the, the tail end of this question to kind of round it out, the person says, but then I was led to one that turned out to be bad and unbiblical, and then questions, so should this person even be praying for the guidance? Ab absolutely. Um, God has always listened to people who are praying with a humble and contrite heart and who are open to his will. But his will is not going to come to you like a bolt out of heaven. Hmm. That's where we get a little bit confused, and maybe... God was trying to show this person that um, they need to open their eyes a little bit wider hmm. to look and maybe showing them uh, something that was a, not a good choice so that they would think about some other things in making their next choice. But Yeah, never know. Yeah, But it doesn't mean give up and stop them or no, no. this was a no. poorly answered prayer or something like that. No, it may be part of the answer to the prayer is to show you what you don't want. Hmm. 
Yeah. But um, certainly we keep praying. We see people all through Scripture, you know, praying. Paul and Peter and and uh, everyone else that we read about in Scripture was praying for God's will to be done. And when they saw opportunities to do those things that God had told them in his word that he wanted them to do, then they did it, and God blessed them. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Now, this kind of leads us, it leads to, us to the next question. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, which <laughs> is about being led by the Spirit, and it's related somewhat, because yeah. uh, read that one for us. Yeah, the, the qu another questioner wrote in and said, I'm trying to make very a very difficult decision. I'm trying to lean not on my own understanding. But I'm being told, and in the context, the person was talking about other friends and people who were advising her. But I'm being told that I need to wait for a rema. So first off, it's actually pronounced rema. Rema. Uh huh. Okay. R e m a r h e m a. Right. Rema. Rema. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first off, I had to look it up. What What is a rema? Well, this is this is a term, um, which is often used in the scriptures and. Certain segments of the religious world say that this word is used uh, exclusively to refer to a prophetic utterance that comes mm. directly from God, like a divine revelation. So this is a a Hebrew word or a Greek word, it's, or it's a Greek word that Greek word that that is used for the spoken word. Okay, and sometimes it's talking about just somebody that's preaching or talking about God mm. or whatever, and sometimes it does refer to uh, someone who is uttering a prophecy mm -hmm. and is speaking by divine inspiration. But the word is actually used in a whole bunch of different ways okay. depending on the context. So it's a Greek word that is used about spoken word from a variety of speakers, right? And those with more. Um, Shall we say more more uh, direct Pentecostal type backgrounds? They tend to really settle on this word as God hits you with a divine revelation out mm. of the blue, a rhema. Okay. You know? but so it's, for most people, they would have heard, "I'm waiting for a revelation from God." Uh, in other Sim words, a rhema, and it's, okay. and it's not going to come to them from the pages of Scripture. It's going to come to them mm. directly as something. I, I just, God told me, well, how did God tell you? I don't know. He just told me, you know, hmm. uh, to do this. First of all, in in talking about that, the word is not just used that way. It's used in a lot of other places, different ways. For example, okay, I like examples. Yeah, I do too. Uh, look at Romans 10, 17. Okay. Get a couple little pages. 10, 17. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. I see that last part that says the word of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the word rhema, the word okay. of Christ. So the spoken words of Christ. Uh, what it really means in this particular passage is the preaching about Christ. Mm. So saving faith comes from this message, and this message comes from the preaching about Jesus Christ. So not even specifically Jesus's preaching, but like one of the apostles preaching about, or or whoever is preaching that message, that that apostolic message. Okay, it's spoken word. It's not necessarily talking about a direct divine revelation, yeah. but whenever pr Christ is preached, okay, whenever the gospel is preached, that's how we gain saving faith. Is okay, from the preacher. so it's a rhema. 
But again, that illustrates that rhema doesn't necessarily mean prophetic speech. It yeah. can. Okay. Uh, look at another one. Look at Acts 2.14. I like specifics. Okay. 2.14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Give ear to my words. Remata. Mm. Remata, my words. Now, in that mm. case, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit with a flame of fire over his head, was yeah. speaking by divine oh, yeah. revelation. So that's a case where that was actually hmm. speaking. Yeah. But the basic meaning of the word is to speak something out loud. Yeah. It's still just to listen to those spoken words. Right. Those in that case were yeah. prophetic words. Yeah. But go to Acts 5.20. Okay. So again, I don't like to just talk in generalities. Let's talk right. about where the word is used. I'm so good with that. And the nice thing about this is if there's people out there that like to open up like a Greek interlinear or a blue letter, you then, can find these things. Then you'll see that rhema yeah. or remata, the plural accusative, is in some of those passages. Okay, so 520? 520, DC. Uh, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of his, of this life. All right, the words of this life, remata, words mm. of this life. So you're going to speak the words of this life. And... Uh, of course, again, you're talking about the apostles, and they were doing the oral preaching there in the mm -hmm. temple courts, and perhaps they were directly inspired. But that's that's the word speaking, yeah, orally. But the word, but kind of like the passage in Romans, you're saying it's not always the apostles speaking or the prophetic speaking. In general, it's just spoken words from anyone. Many times, it's preachers who are not themselves prophets that are preaching the words that were inspired by God from Scripture, mm -hmm. and those mm -hmm. words are called rhemata, rhema. Yeah. So when okay. we speak God's word that we have from the prophets in Scripture, yeah. another problem we have here is that um, the, the gift of prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, was one of the temporary gifts. Mm. Uh, tongues and prophecy, it says, there will cease. See, mm. And also, I'd like to point out to our listeners that the great majority of people, both in the Old and New Testaments, were not prophets. There oh, was yeah. only a tiny fraction of Christians or Israelites in the Old Testament mm -hmm. who were ever prophets. Yeah. First uh, Corinthians 12, the last two or three verses, are all prophets? The answer to that is obviously no. No. Do yeah. all speak with tongues? No. Mm -hmm. You know, and so um, the idea here is, I think, I'm not, I'm not trying to put words or thoughts into this person's mind. I'm just trying to help them uh, answer this question about waiting for a rhema. Yeah. The rhema might come to you if you really look at Scripture and see how Scripture informs this decision you're mm. trying to make but if you're waiting for a divine personal revelation mm. there's nothing in scripture that would suggest that that's going to come now okay. the question here is there a difference between rhema and logos and the yeah. word is no except that rhema often mm. has the sense of a spoken word mm -hmm. uh, i'm not sure that in in what i've researched that it always does but it often does Sometimes it can refer to a written word that was written by a prophet of God. You yeah. Know? 
it was almost like it was spoken to them and then it got written down. Yeah, but um, in 1 Corinthians 14, where we're talking about prophets, Mm -hmm. uh, verse 27 through 32 or something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, it talks about tongue speakers speaking and it talks about prophets speaking. Yeah. And it uses a different word, laleo. Laleo. Mm. It's not rhema, it's laleo. And laleo is used for any and all kinds of speaking, but in that particular context it's talking about people who were inspired by the spirit speaking mm-hmm. you know and it's laleo it's not rhema hmm. but if you look all over the new testament for lalein or laleo you can find it in buku different contexts buku different meanings yeah. see the, the problem often is that people say this greek word means this mm. well it just simply rarely is that it does sometimes in certain contexts yeah and in other times and other contexts, it doesn't, mm. you know, so. Um, Much like many English words, it, we have the same exactly, problem. Exactly, but, yeah. but there is a whole segment of religious people today that use this term, rhema, mm. in a specific way to mean a personal divine revelation. And it simply is being, there's way too much made of it and it's being misused to make it, only mean that yeah and and i do not believe this person should wait for that Mm. in trying to make this decision because god doesn't promise us that yeah so i guess to to carry on this idea of the rema and logos rema and logos um it can mean exactly the same thing okay because something that I remember growing up hearing, and I still hear it fairly often, in fact, I'm pretty sure one of our videos got this comment about when we were talking about listening to the Spirit or the Spirit's guidance or whatever, and it just came out and it went, yes, you're guided in word only. you know. And I remember hearing growing up, it was like, don't worry about the Holy Spirit. You have God's Word. That's all you, you know. Well, but see, the other part of that discussion is we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And the Holy Spirit strengthening us, and the Holy Spirit interceding for us, mm. and the Holy Spirit giving us gifts. But the Bible does not promise that the Holy Spirit will give us divine revelation. Mm. That's where I think we're getting confused. Yeah. So it's rather than the two working in tandem, we almost want to make one work against or in addition to or whatever other Certainly way. God is in us and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us personally and all that kind of stuff and mm. helping us every step of the way. But um, to, to I think a lot of people try to find that guidance without finding a personal relationship with the Word and really listening mm. to what the Holy Spirit's revelation says to us in the Word. Yeah, and that's where we—that's where I think uh, this person that asked the question simply needs to pray that God will help him or her be open to what He really says in His Word and mm-hmm. and make those decisions based on well, based on all these things God says. I think I need to do this. Yeah, and and I think just personally when I read something like this and someone says I'm needing to make difficult decisions. Usually, and you know, my first question to someone is, well, what is that decision? Or why is it difficult? What's the point of difficulty? Because oftentimes when I get to talking with people like that, they're going, well, I'm, I'm reading Genesis right now. And I'm going, well, 
the problem you're needing to talk about is probably in Galatians or Ephesians or in you so know in Romans point. or whatever. And so sometimes we just think, oh, if we're in God's word, we'll naturally get the answer. Sometimes you have to know where to go looking for that. Yeah, and again, this all goes back to a familiarity with God's word. Hmm. Um, you know, the psalmist said, "Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you." Well, if you haven't hid it in your heart. Hmm then you're not going to be very knowledgeable when yeah. sin comes to you. You know, a, if a decision is a moral dilemma, yeah. then how do I know what's morally right or morally wrong? Yeah. I'm not going to just sit there and get a get a bolt from above. Sure. I need to look and see what's right. And it's wrong. I can appreciate Psalm 119 all day long, and I love Psalm 119. It talks about how great God's Word is, and it's got all the answers, and it's where we should go, and it strengthens us. But if all we do is we dwell on how great God's Word is, but we never know what God's Word is, well, yeah, and it's kind of an empty praise. And, and many of these sincere people that are asking these questions, they have friends or neighbors or whatever that are giving them advice. But our preacher um, recently spoke on Psalm 1. Hmm. Uh, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but... Hmm. 